Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Man, what's up, party people? My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is week 14 of the Exodus series. So if you are not totally in tune with the book, like you can go back into any of the podcasts and check it out. Next week is our last week. So whether you're tuning in online or whether you're going to be here in person, we're doing communion. So that's always a special service uh, for us. And so we're going to kind of land the plane here this morning. We're going to close the Exodus series, uh, not in the book of Exodus. So switching it up right here, keeping it fresh. Um, I want to I, I tell you a story, though, that I think is really going really gonna to impact you. I hope it'll help you moving forward. But let me start here. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, I'm a dad of two daughters. And when my daughters were born, my life totally changed. Everything about my life changed. Uh, what I ate changed. Like my diet changed. Because when you have kids that only eat chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese, it limits the places that you're able to go. And uh, so I haven't been able to choose a restaurant that I want to eat at for like a decade now. And uh, so I'm ready for that. I'm ready for their palates to expand. But as of right now, it's chicken nuggets and French fries and mac and cheese. Those are my limits. Um, my, uh, a lot about my life changed. My interests changed. Um, my girls are into uh, baby dolls. They're into purple and pink. We love purple and pink. We're into hair bows and uh, fingernail fi- uh, polish and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if, if you need to know anything about that, I'm your guy. Because when they started loving that stuff, I had to start paying attention to it. Like, th- this became my life. This is, this is what I do. This is what I talk about. This is what I know about. This is what we buy. Like, this is how we live our life. The movies that I watched changed drastically uh, when my girls were born. Um, my girls are Disney princess all the way. Uh, right? If it's not Disney princess, then I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, we love all of the princesses. All, all, we, we've seen all of them. We own all of them on DVD. Um, I have a buddy of mine that's raising two boys about the same age as my girls, and he forgets that uh, I have two girls and he has two boys. Because he'll ask me, he'll say, Nathan, like, what do you think about the, the uh, new Spider-Man movie coming out? You think it's going to be good? I love Black Panther. Did you ever see Black Panther? The Transformers was a really cool movie. Like, Nathan, if you had to choose between Marvel and DC, which one are you? And like, I got this blank stare on my face because look, if, if the movie didn't come with a sing-along soundtrack and end with, and they all lived happily ever after, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have not seen any of them. I can't tell you Batman from Superman. I don't. I, that, that's just not the world that I live in. But now to my, to my defense, everybody loves a story that ends with, and they all lived happily ever after, right? I mean, we don't like these stories where the hero dies or there's just ambiguity and we're like, man, the movie was great, but the ending was, was terrible. And uh, so I, I want to focus uh, today on the ending of this, this story. And uh, man, I hate to tell you this, I, I have not been looking forward to, to this last sermon um, because it does not end happily ever after. 
I'd love to be able to tell you that after 40 years of faithfulness and doing what God told him to do, that, that Moses just kind of leads the people into the promised land and rides off into the sunset, and he's rewarded for all of his faithfulness. But that is, that is not how this story ends. In the book of Exodus, uh, God put a calling on the life of Moses to deliver these people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. It was going to be a great land, a land of their own, uh, a land where they could thrive and prosper and grow. And the people were looking forward to it. Moses was looking forward to it. And the whole plan was to get these people from Egypt to this area that God had called them to. And I regret to inform you that for Moses, the story did not end happily ever after. The people traveled for 40 years. In fact, Exodus is just the beginning of the journey. It actually covers four books of the Bible that it took uh, to write the story of these people going from Exodus, uh, from Egypt, exiting out to the promised land. Uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all books of the Bible focused on their journey to their new homeland. And it's supposed to culminate with this great leader, Moses, patient, kind, loving, compassionate, always trying to do the right thing, faithful man of God, Moses, actually being able to, to see the people through. But unfortunately, a few years before they reached their final destination, Moses tripped up and fell. Imagine running a race, running a marathon, and you've, you've run the 25 miles and you're, you're right in front of the finish line. Imagine what it would feel like to work for something your entire life to try and strive and sacrifice for something for 40 years and then for you to get just feet away from the finish line and trip and fall flat on your face and not be able to finish the race. That is the story of Moses. It doesn't happen in the book of Exodus or Leviticus. It happens in the book of Numbers. We see what actually disqualified Moses from seeing what he had always dreamed and hoped. The dreams for Moses' life would be shattered right here in Numbers chapter 20. Today, I want to talk about failure. Failure is a top fear of most people in the world today. We hate to fail. I know growing up uh, in elementary school, if I ever failed a quiz or a test, uh, I would have to take that quiz home and my mom would have to sign it and then I would have to take it back. And like, I did not want to stand in front of my mom with a failing quiz grade or a test grade. And so like, I just, that, that was the reason I studied and wanted to make good grades because I was afraid of failing. I did not, no matter what, I did not want to fail. In high school, I remember uh, wanting to try out for the football team, but I was afraid that I wasn't going to make the team, and so I decided not to try out because the fear of failure uh, was so large. I ended up playing tennis instead my senior year, went undefeated, went to the state championships. Not about me, okay, so no big deal, just treat me normal. <laughs> but there's people that will not do things in their life because they're afraid of failure, not walk into the purpose, not walk into the calling that God has for them. They'll miss out on opportunities because they ultimately don't want to fail. I can remember in high school, I was involved in civic organizations and did service projects on the weekends because, because I knew that in order for me to get into the college that I wanted to go to, it wasn't just about grades. You had to do other stuff as well. And I did not want to get rejected by the school that I wanted to go to. And so not only did I try to study hard and make good grades, but I wanted to be involved in the community because 
No one wanted to get that letter in the mail that said, sorry, your application was declined. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have what it takes to attend our university. And so like this fear of failure will drive us in our life. And so instead of talking about how do we respond to failure, how do you bounce back from failure, when I read Numbers chapter 20, I actually see some things that I want to put on your radar this morning. If you're taking notes, it's four things to jot down. These are actually four things that if you'll put into place today, you can actually avoid failure in the future. There were some things that, that people should have seen, some things that Moses should have seen in his life that I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but if, if he would have caught them early on, then I think he could have walked into the purpose and the promise that God has for his life. But something caught up with Moses in Numbers 20 that would ultimately mark the rest of his future as a leader and the rest of his time here on earth. So I want to help you this morning to be able to identify maybe some ways in your life right now that you need to check and some things you need to address to keep you from getting all the way to the end and falling, tripping up right in front of the finish line. I really do want you to finish well in your marriage, in your family, in your career, with your finances, in your walk with Jesus. Like, I don't want you to be one of these people that gets all the way to the end and then they stumble. I want you to cross the finish line, like go hard through the finish line and, and, and finish well. So let's talk about finishing well uh, this morning as we close down the Exodus series. In, in Numbers chapter 20, two books after the book of Exodus, we read in the story like this. In, in the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. Now, Miriam was Moses' older sister. Uh, but it was m more like a, a mom to him. Miriam was the one that, if you can remember back in the beginning of the book of Exodus, when Moses' mom uh, put Moses in the basket and floated him down the Nile River, Miriam walked along the bank of the river to make sure that Moses made it all the way to Pharaoh's daughter. She would have been a big sister, but like the great big sister that, that would not only pick on Moses, but would also beat up everyone else that would wanted to pick on Moses. Like, I can pick on my little brother, but you can't pick on my little brother. This would have been a, a person of influence, a close relationship for Moses. And here in verse 1, we see that Moses, this, this woman that was like a second mom, this big sister, this partner in crime, if you will, uh, passed away. And so the story begins with grief. It begins with hardship. It begins with pain. And if you have those things in your life and you're not surrendering them over to Jesus, if you're not working through them and getting counsel through them and, and moving forward, then this is a recipe for disaster, for failure in other areas of your life. So Moses was really grieved in his personal life. Verse, verse 2, now the Israelites come back into the story. Uh, there was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Sound familiar? If you've heard any of the Exodus sermons, you know this is a copy and paste of what the Israelites said. Like, I, if, if I'm Moses at this point, I'm like, can you imagine this? The same people with the same complaints 
Despite God being faithful time and time again, God always provided. Every time they needed water, God made a way. God would make it happen. But here we are, 20-something years after they get out of slavery, and the message is the same. (sighs) We should have never left slavery, Moses. Why'd you bring us out here to die? There's no fruit and water. How are we going to have smoothies out here in the desert? There's nothing for us to have. (sighs) Complaining. Negative, lack of trust, lack of faith in their life. That had to have worn on Moses after decades of hearing the same exact complaint from the same exact people despite God's unfaithfulness. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. Verses 2 through 5 was about Moses and Aaron, these two leaders. They were with the people, and the people are complaining, and they're crying, and they're faithless, and they don't believe God. They don't trust God. They're negative all of the time. And Scripture says, though, in verse 6, that Moses turned away from the people and began to walk towards God walked towards the tabernacle, got in the presence of God. I love that because that's the first point that I want you to jot down. This is the first key to really avoiding some failures because trust me, like some of you guys are on a path to failure. You're gonna trip and fall before you finish the race if you don't get this in check. The first thing, write this down, jot it down. Number one, check your circle. Did you know that the people that you have around you is important to the destination that you're trying to reach? Did you know that ultimately the people that you surround yourself with are the people that you're going to become? Moses realized that. He said, man, I I cannot hang out with these negative people anymore. They're complainers, they're whiners, they're people of little faith. They don't really care about their relationship with God. They don't really have their eyes set on the future. And I'm afraid that if I spend any more time with these people, then I'll start thinking like them and acting like them and talking like them. You've heard the saying, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Moses and Aaron said, I don't want to hang out with people like that. I'm going to get around God. I'm going to spend some time with God. I'm going to surround myself with God's presence. Moses and Aaron together. Did you know that if you surround yourself with people of great faith, of courage, of people that desire to move forward in their relationship with Jesus, did you know that those things will actually have an impact and rub off on you? And if you hang out with people that have little faith, that are always negative, that are always complaining, that don't care about who God is and don't care about moving forward in a relationship with him, did you know that if you hang out with those people long enough, you will eventually turn into people like that? So check your circle. The people you're hanging out with right now are helping lead you to a destination. Do you want to go with them? (laughs) Do you want to go where they're going? This is why for the last six weeks, we've been talking about our groups and trying to encourage people to join our groups. Can I just clear something up? I don't work on an R group commission, okay? If you join an R group, I don't get a bonus, okay? There is absolutely nothing in it for me. If you join an R group, God has something in it for you, not for me. I'm already a part of a group. I'm reaping the benefits. And I love the community. I love being around a group of people that challenge me and encourage me and push me and want me to be more like Jesus in every area of my life. Do you have that? Do you have people like that in your circles that you've surrounded yourself with? Man, you need to check it. 
Because if not, they are leading you down a different path. Moses turned his back on the people and started to walk towards God. Maybe your next step today in checking your circle is to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join a group because I wanna surround myself with people of faith that wanna see my life, my marriage, my relationships, my finances move towards Jesus and honor God instead of people that are faithless and fearful and worried and negative and complain all of the time. Who's in your sphere of influence? He got away from the people and got in the presence of God, he and Aaron together. Verse seven, and the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff, this rod that I've given you, and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and the livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. God, don't miss this because you'll miss the rest of the story. God gave Moses some specific instructions. He says, all right, people are thirsty. They're desperate. Like, I get it. When your back's against the wall, you're desperate. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the staff and I want you to gather all the people. And once they're gathered and, and like you're, you're up in there in the front, I want you to speak to the rock. You see that big rock, that boulder over there? I want you to speak to it and water comes out. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what Moses was supposed to say. It wasn't like, hey, rock, or water, or what? I don't know what the magic word was. God just told him to speak directly to the rock and water will come out and everyone will have what they need. And scripture says in verse nine that Moses did as God told him to do. He did as God said until verse 10. And in verse 10 is where it all starts to fall apart. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. That's exactly what God told him to do. All right, you guys come over here. Here's a rock. Everybody gather around. Listen to what Moses said. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? I don't know if you caught that, but that's not what God told Moses to do. God told Moses to speak to the rock and Moses got angry and started speaking to the people. God said, just gather everybody around, speak to the rock, and I will provide for the need. But did you see what Moses did? He took the credit for himself. He said, must we give you water out of the rock? Must we provide for everything? Must me and Aaron do this? The second thing that I want you to jot down is this. Like, if you don't get your, your arms around this, this will wreck your marriage. It'll wreck your job. It'll wreck your relationships. Number two, ego is your enemy. In your life, in your relationship with God, ego is your enemy. Moses, all of a sudden, made it all about him instead of making it all about God. He looked at them and said, really? Really, peasants? <laughs> we got to do this again? How many times are you going to be people of little faith? How many times are you going to ask me for the water? How many times? 25 years we've been rolling together. No matter where we go, the first question you guys ask, where's the water? How many times is God going to have to provide for you to be quiet? How many times? Like, I, I'm up here, I'm a man of faith, I'm a man of God, I'm believing. Why aren't you guys? Why can't you just get on the same page I am? Must I do everything for you? And God said, God would provide the water from the rock. But Moses stood in front of the people and said, I'm going to provide 
the water from the rock. He stole the credit from God and assumed it for himself because Moses had an ego problem. His pride caught up with him. And in that heat of the moment, he shouted out something that he shouldn't have. And it just proves that his language was escalating as he talked down to the people and started taking all the credit. And, and, and very soon, the volume of his voice would be met by the volume of his actions. Because in verse 11, it says, Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Did you catch that? That's not what God told him to do. He said, I want you to speak to the rock and water will come out. But here we see in this, like, it, Moses has this moment of, of just sheer anger and frustration where he lets his emotions get the best of him. Like, this is the equivalent, like, if you're sitting at a table and you get mad and, and like, you're, you're banging your fist on the table because you're frustrated or, like, you get upset and you throw something across the room or punch a hole in the wall. I know you guys aren't wall punchers, but, you know, other people might get angry and punch a hole in the wall or do something like that. Like, they overreact physically. This is a physical overreaction reaction by Moses because out of anger, Moses took this stick, this rod that was in his hand and as hard as he could, he struck the rock. Not once, not like I hit it one time and I was like, okay, well, calm down, Moses. Like, no, he hit it and then he was like, that felt good and he hit it again and he let his anger and emotions get the best of him. Third thing I want you to write down is this. If you want to avoid failure in your future, you need to learn now how to look for the red flags. Look for the red flags. If you had paid attention in the book of Exodus, you could have seen this coming. Now, I get it, hindsight is 2020, but uh, oftentimes when people have a big, especially a public failure, maybe a, a, a celebrity or a movie star or something, that they have a public failure, there'll always be people that'll say, you know, now that I think about it, there were some things I noticed over this past season. Some things that were said that kind of should have uh, kind of rung a bell for me. That, that should have been a red flag right there. Now, I, I remember them saying something or doing something or being somewhere or being with someone that, you know, now that I think about it, it just doesn't make sense. This was the life of Moses. Like, Moses didn't catch it. I guess nobody else caught it around him, but Moses had an anger problem. Moses was short-tempered. He let his emotions get the best of him. He was the type of guy that would often stick his foot in his mouth. Like in the heat of the moment, he would say something or do something that then later he would, he would regret. And that was a red flag along Moses' life. And because he didn't address it, now here in Numbers 20, it comes back to bite him. Think back, Exodus chapter 2. This was before uh, Pharaoh, the, the burning bush, and Moses is now following God. Like Mo, Exodus chapter 2, Moses is still living with the Pharaoh as his stepson. And scripture says that Moses sees one of Pharaoh's guards whipping and beating a Hebrew slave. And in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, it says, After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. What? Like, he saw something and he got so mad and he was so out of control that with his bare hands, Moses killed a dude. And then, undoubtedly, has watched a lot of CSI episodes because then he buried the body in the desert. 
It's like nobody's going to find this. No fingerprints on this body. Not going to do it. His anger drove him to be out of control and take another man's life. That's how this whole journey started with Moses. Fast forward now to when Moses is standing in front of Pharaoh. Ten different times he comes and says, God says you need to release the people out of slavery. If not, there'll be a plague that comes. You remember what happened? All ten times Pharaoh said no. But not only did he say no, he would mock and jeer Moses a little bit. Who are you? Who is this God? What are you doing here? Who do you think you are talking to me like that? I'm not going to listen to you. Get out of here, Moses. And after the tenth time of Moses being ridiculed in front of everybody, and, and being called names and, and torn down. Lex, uh, Exodus eleven eight says this, Then burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh. His emotions took over. Moses is the type of guy where he gets angry, he storms out of the room and slams the door on his way out. He, he's the guy that'll throw something across the room because his anger is so much. He was in front of Pharaoh. And he was so angry at what Pharaoh said, he couldn't even control himself. And he stormed out of the court slamming the door on his way out, yelling names. That was, that was Moses. He had an anger issue. The, the, the text that we looked at last week, Exodus 36, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. He has them in his hand. Moses is walking down the mountain and realizes that the people got tired of waiting on him. He was talking with God. They got tired of waiting on him, and they made a golden calf made of melted earrings, and they are worshiping and singing and dancing naked around it. And here's what scripture says in verse 32. It says, when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Totally out of control. Moses takes these tablets that, is, scripture says, God's finger wrote the letters on the tablet. You might want to hold on to that. Might want to take care of that. Moses takes it throws it across the room, shatters it, breaks it. And I can go ahead and tell you that, that God was not happy about that at all because in, in Exodus 34, verse 1, just two chapters later, God says, Then the Lord told Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets that you smashed. I can't help but think that God was like, That you smashed. The ones that you broke. Remember Moses? A couple of days ago, you threw the hissy fit at the bottom of the mountain. You lost control of your anger. Your emotions acted up. And you tossed those things that I gave you. Here's something I learned from that. If you don't know how to identify the red flags, then you'll take what God has put in your hands and you'll lose it. You'll destroy it. You'll drop it. You'll break it. The very thing that God gave you to enjoy, gave you as a part of your journey and your purpose in life, if you don't know how to identify those red flags, then you'll break them. And you'll destroy the very thing that God put in your, in your hands. Maybe for you it's not anger. Maybe it's another emotion. Maybe it's another sin. Maybe it's another issue that you have. But can I just challenge you now? Like you need to check for the red flags. What are the recurring things that are happening? The, the things that you're constantly having to check yourself on. Man, if you don't get a grasp of that, then it will end up wrecking your life and you will fall face first right in front of the finish line and never get to see what God's got promised for you. The water came out of the rock despite the fact that God specifically said, speak to the rock. 
And instead, Moses took his stick and out of anger, struck the rock twice. God still provided for the people. But here's the difficult verse to close out the text. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. Almost 40 years with a dream in his mind. Almost 40 years of realizing the purpose in his life. Almost 40 years of getting up every day and trying to remain faithful to God, trying to lead well. 40 years. And in one moment, it's gone. Completely lost. All of his dreams shattered. All of his influence gone. All of his future up in smoke. And here's what God said. Because you did not trust me. Last thing I want you to write down is this. It's, it's trust no matter what. You want to make it to the, to the finish line? You want to cross it? I'm not talking about limping. I'm not talking about falling short. I'm talking about like breaking the tape, going through the finish line, finishing well. You want to do that? Always trust God. Never allow your trust in God in any area of your life. See, Moses stopped trusting in God and started trusting in himself, and that cost him. Because you did not trust me. Is there an area of your life that you are not trusting God in right now? Because I'm telling you, friends, there's consequences for that. You might be able to run for a little while, but eventually, before you get to the end, you will fall and you will fail if you're trusting in someone else besides God. How about your finances, man? Did did you know that that the Bible says that if we would trust God with our finances, if we would honor him with him, then he will give us everything we need. Trust God. How about your marriage, your relationships? Did you know that scripture tells us that in your marriage, if you would love your spouse and serve your spouse and humble yourself and elevate them above you, always putting them in front of yourself, did you know that if you'll do that, scripture says, God says, you will have a great, healthy, happy, fulfilled, purposeful marriage. Do you trust him? Do you trust that if you would put someone else in front of yourself, and serve them sacrificially that you can actually have great relationships, even if it's not about you. Because you did not trust me. And I want to leave with this because this this is just too important. Verse 12 says, And God said to Moses and Aaron, Neither one of you will go into the promised land. Did you know that your unwillingness to trust God not only impacts you, but it can impact others around you. And if I'm Aaron at this point, I'm like, whoa, whoa, God, I didn't strike the rock. I didn't, I didn't call them peasants. Moses did. I didn't want him to strike the rock. He struck it twice. I said only strike it once. Like, what, God, I didn't, do, I didn't have the staff in my hand. And God looked at Moses and said, no, nope, that's your boy. That's your right-hand man. You guys are leading together. Neither one of you, because you would not trust me. Did you know that your lack of faith or trust in God can not only hinder you, but it can have an impact for generations to come? Your family, 
your friends, your kids, your grandkids, people you don't even know, haven't even met yet, can be impacted by your decision today to trust God. I want you to feel that weight, that it's not just about you, that there is so much on the line, that generational blessings and generational curses unfold because of our faithfulness, a step that you take today, a decision you make today, something you nail down today could have ripple effects on generations to come because you did not trust me. Moses' life changed forever. And everything that he ever hoped for and dreamed for shattered right in front of him. I don't know what area of your life maybe you're struggling with trust in. Maybe you just, you don't see it. You don't know how it's going to unfold. It's, it's hard to trust God. There's so much uncertainty. There's a big next step to take. Like there's something in front of you right now and God is saying, you need to go. You need to take it. You need to step forward. You need to trust me. You need to move forward in faith. But you're like, I don't know, God. I don't, I don't know. What if, what if this happens? What if it doesn't work out? What if I fail? What if I fall? And God's like, hey, here's your shot. Are you going to trust me? or not? Will you trust me or not? Because if you don't, there'll be consequences. And I want to be clear, a good example of what those consequences can be from the the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Hey, if you want to know what it's like to trust God, I I don't know if you've ever made a decision to, to, to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you, but your very first step in trusting God is trusting what God said about his son, Jesus. That Jesus lived a perfect life. He came and died a death that, that honestly you deserved for your sins. He stayed in the grave for three days. And on Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, conquering sin, so that you and I can have a relationship with Jesus. We can be reconciled to God because of the sacrifice on the cross. So maybe your first step this morning is saying, that's me. I need to trust in Jesus for the very first time. I need to take the first step this morning. Like, forget Moses, fought like 25 years worth of steps. Like, I just want to start. Today is a, is a new day for you. It's a start for you. And that one step that you take today could be the thing that changes generations to come because of your faithfulness, because of your willingness to trust. Maybe you're like Moses. You've been following Jesus for a long time. Can I tell you this? Today was a morning that you get up and you say, God, I'll trust you. I'll trust you with my life, with my job, with my friends, with my decisions, with my resources, with my money, with my family, with my kids. God, I'm just going to trust you with all of it. Past faithfulness does not ensure future success. Every day, we got to make a decision. Am I going to trust God today? Am I going to follow God today? Am I going to believe that Jesus is who he says he is today? Hey, I want you to take your next step. I want you to identify some of the red flags. I I, I want you to trust God no matter what happens. I want you to check your circle, the people that are around you, because they're going to be able to push you to become the person that God has called you to be. So many things that we can apply from this story today. If you want some help, we'd love to help you. Take out that red red, red next step card. Fill out the info at the bottom of it. And uh, one of our pastors would love to get in touch with you today. Would you mind if I prayed for you? Close out the service today. God, thanks for this story of failure in the Bible. The wisdom that we get to glean. I love that that you didn't leave the ugly parts out of Moses' story. You could have just left him as as a hero, untouchable, never made a mistake. 
But it's in texts like Numbers chapter 20 where we relate to Moses the most. People that are not perfect, whose faith sometimes falters, who make bad decisions, who allow our emotions to get the best of us, who surround ourselves with the wrong people and then end up having to pay the consequences. People who trip up every day in giving you the faith and the trust that you deserve despite the many times that you've provided for us in our lives. But God, thank you for Jesus. That because of his sacrifices, our sins have been forgiven, our shortcomings erased. And now we can enjoy, even in the midst of our mistakes and our lack of faith, we get to enjoy a relationship with you. God, help us to know what to do with the words that we've just heard and how to take our next step in a relationship with you. I pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.